And welcome to That Horror Cast. I'm Mallory Smart. And I'm Dimitri Samarov. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the Lynchian vampire horror film, Nadia, directed by Michael Almoretta. The film revolves around Nadia, a vampire who is mourning the death of her father, Dracula, while also trying to escape his legacy in New York City. She meets Lucy, a lonely woman who falls under her spell, and finds Edgar, her twin brother, who is also a vampire living in Brooklyn. Meanwhile, they are hunted by Dr. Van Helsing, played by Peter Fonda, and his nephew Jim, who is married to Lucy. Hello. How's it going? Okay, how are you? I'm good. Waking up. Well, sorry, sorry to wake you up early. I was just, oh, got up stupidly early. I've been up for like over two hours. It's Whoa. crazy. What, what's with you? I don't know what happened. I just got up. So. Well, you know, it was a whole vampire thing. Maybe your body That's was right. like that. <laughs> it's so funny. We're usually the opposite. I'm the one who's always like, yep. awake early. <laughs> I know. No, but I waited. I waited. I didn't. I wasn't going to text you when I got up because that's stupid. I don't want to. And I, I was. I didn't want to record a podcast at six in the morning. I mean, it, it would be funny to, like, just do, like, a really, like, we are both exhausted recording, and we just so don't want to, like, be there talking. That would be funny, but... Uh, sorry, I, th- I, th- I think the gimmick would wear out quickly. I'd rather record where we're actually motivated or engaged. Yeah, <laughs> At I, least I'd somewhat. imagine, like, ten minutes in, it'd be like, okay, yeah, we're done yeah. with this, right? Yeah, th- this joke is over, yeah. Good night. See, see in two weeks. Yeah, it would be the shortest episode. It'd be like ten minutes. <laughs> see, that's what I think would be hilarious. We should have like the shortest episode at some point. Well, we'll get there. There will be some movie that'll inspire the shortest episode. I've noticed that there's some movies that we don't even have anything to talk about, but we still manage to make at least an hour of conversation. Well, yeah, because you and I think, you know, we have a rapport. We can just talk. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. That's this true. Is, the movie is just an excuse to have a conversation recorded. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, it's not like these filmmakers are paying us fucking money to promote their damn movies, you know? You know, if it came to money, I was reading that David Lynch basically, like, funded this movie, out of pocket. I yeah, it makes know sense. He had that much money. Well, this movie didn't cost very much, <laughs> you know. But I was seeing it cost like a million, and you know, I guess. Well, they had to pay all the actors at least, or so, you know. For some reason, I just don't associate him as like a very high-earning director. Like that seems like that had to be a pretty big cut. No, but by then he was in a fairly established, you know, sort of alt underground he wasn't under, you know he he was you know he was basically mainstream by then and these other people a lot of these people that are in this movie and were in this whole new york kind of kind of new york hip you know art scene you know was that the no wave art sh- art scene maybe maybe after no yeah kind of lower east side uh but there's these filmmakers uh, Michael Amarita, but also there was a there was he's still he's still going. This uh, filmmaker named Hal Hartley. Have you ever seen any of his movies? They're amazing, but they they all have them and Jarmusch. Like they all have this kind of 
um, deadpan sense of humor and these kind of this kind of like cool, you know, aesthetic. And I, I'm sure like David Lynch would have been a very big fish in their pond. You know what I mean? Like to them, he would be like a superstar. Oh, so definitely. I th- I think it's just a matter of uh, uh, you know, it's relative. So like compared to them, he was like Steven Spielberg. You know what I mean? But can compare to Steven Spielberg, you know, David Lynch is tiny. You know what I mean? Definitely. So it's like I th- I think that's what the that's what it is. Uh, he probably introduced them to some peop a few people that had money to invest or were willing to take a tax loss for an indie movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was a loss. I was saying that they didn't make really... I'm, I'm sure they didn't make anything, <laughs> you know? Like, the actors basically... They did a great job, but obviously not enough to recoup the budget. <laughs> but that's it, that's not the point of a movie like this. <laughs> that is definitely accurate. I was surprised, though. I You ever see a movie and you're like, I know that face? Okay, obviously we all do. You mean Jared Harris? Yeah. yeah. I, okay, I'm happy that I'm not the only one who was just like, is that there's Lane of, Price from, like, Mad Men? Uh, also, well, there's there's a ton of uh, sort of, like, acting royalty in this. Because, you know, Jared, uh, Jared Harris is the son of Richard Harris. And Richard Harris is one of the most famous, like, drunk English actors of all time. He's in movies but he, in, and in plays. With with people like Peter O'Toole and Oliver Reed, and I mean, yeah, that's he's an sort of amazing legacy to live up to. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of like acting royalty, as is Peter Fonda, because he's Henry Fonda's son, you know. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely like lineage, you know. It'd be like putting like Drew Barrymore in your movie, you know. Like behind that, it's like putting like the princess or like you know of this, yeah, nobility, you know, in for acting. So there's a lot of that in this movie, and it makes sense because it's, you know, it's about Dracula's twin kids. <laughs> I think it's like so. It says a lot about Hollywood that like they wanted to do the movie as well, like how much like the film had to be amusing as fuck for them. Yeah, I I think I think the people that made this movie had a really good time, just fucking around with with the. the the Dracula story, you know, and not not that was taking like it over fan fiction. Yeah, not taking it very seriously, making making little 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 jo- jo- jokes and off, you know, kind of like uh, under the breath remarks. I really thought the cinematography <laughs> was interesting. Um, I was watching it in bed, and Blent woke up. And he, and he saw the pixel the pixelated parts. Yeah. You mean? <laughs> he immediately was like, "The hell's the matter with the TV?" And right, he thought like, it was broken. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "No, it's the movie." He's like, "What's wrong with the movie?" And I was just like, <laughs> "It'll get better in a bit. This seems to be a thing that's going on with it." It's 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 vampire vision. That's what you know. Like, I think those scenes are. That's when like the vampire point of view. Like they couldn't see too well. <laughs> and this, well, it speaks to like it's a. This is what they had to work with. Like, instead of a special effect, they could do that. <laughs> they did do some pretty good, like, out-of-focus scenes, too. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so much just about just kind of wandering around, dazed, drugged, or drunk, you know? 
it had that kind of uh, drunken night feel, you know, where like a bender. The whole thing felt like a bender, kind of. That is like the best way to describe it. <laughs> it was such an enjoyable movie to watch, but also one of those, hmm, okay, that was decent, but I'm probably not going to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's also it paves the way for like something kind of more accomplished, like like Jarmusch's uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. You know, it had some of that same feel. You know, where like okay, they're they're vampires, but they're not going to really take this vampire shit very seriously. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's an excuse to to talk about other stuff. Uh, and Al- Almoride is a really interesting filmmaker. He's made he's made a couple of Shakespeare adaptations, and then he made this really weird kind of biopic of Nikola Tesla a few years ago. That's really fun. It's with the Ethan Hawke. And he makes documentaries. And, he, yeah, he's very dedicated to all kinds of art, you know? Well, it's the way to be, really. If For someone like this, you'd assume that they do dabble around. Yeah. Yeah. Is he still doing anything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's like... I don't know how old he is. He oh, okay, the Tesla one was in 2020. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought like when you said it, it was like a while ago. Mm-mm. So he's still no, at this it. Is, yep, yep, he's still at it. Uh, yeah, they're... Like what he's doing is is too sort of like... Too arty and too... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's Yeah, it's not, it's not mainstream. And, and I don't think he cares for it to be. Oh, definitely. I know those kind of people more these days. Yeah, you've probably met a few. <laughs> Basically. People that don't care about the mainstream uh, and could, couldn't hit it even if they tried. You got mentioned in my podcast yesterday. You and Ben Tanzer should get married. Uh, he he uh, loves you a lot. Well, if he loves me so much, he should he should read my book and have me on his podcast. Uh, he, he even in the podcast references that he's still reading the book and he's excited to have you on the podcast. That's because I wrote him an email after hearing him on yours and, and saying, hey, I gave you this book six months ago. Come on now. Let's get it together. <laughs> and he so. was noting that I tend not to like go like hang around MFA people a lot. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I like to go like more for writers who are a little average. That was like the poor term I used. And damn, did he come back to bat with you? It was like, Dimitri's damn. not average. And I was like, okay, I phrased that the wrong way. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a, everybody's cup of tea, but yeah, average is probably not the right descriptor. <laughs> no, I was trying to give the not trying to project a certain image. Mm. Yeah. There, l- l- listen. The the streets are littered with mediocre and very average MFA graduates. Like it doesn't take much to get a fucking MFA. It's not. I'm sorry. It's it's not that impressive an accomplishment. That is so agreed with over here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and I d- I don't want to make too much of this. Like wearing like whatever lack of education is a badge of honor. But like I never I never set out to. The writing thing happened, you know, as a side a sidebar for me. Same uh, here. And I, yeah, I didn't I didn't have that ambition ever, and I wouldn't go I wouldn't go back and change it. I everything I hear about this whole like MFA system, like with 
with where everybody sits around and like jerks each other off just sounds horrible to me you know I would not want to do that I, I think I w- it would make me meaner than I already am you know and less generous see you're not mean you just come off as grumpy I, I can be mean you know <laughs> uh, it's just that now I want I, to like being Dimitri is like hmm. I, well I've learned over the years that nobody really I mean, nobody really fucking cares, and and they don't want to hear the truth about their shit. They just don't. They really don't. I'm sorry, they don't want to hear it. Back on someone's piece yesterday. No, what they want I is got to be bitched at hard. Wait for for some like a submission or something for for Modlin House or for a friend who oh really asked me they to bitch? beta read their eight hundred page novel. So Fuck, I finally what? got back that's to that. that's a huge ad. eight hundred pages. Like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like they beta read a lot of my work in the past. Yeah, but your like, yours are a reasonable. Yeah. You, I've read your fucking books; they're reasonable length. <laughs> but like, seriously, this person went all douchebag MFA on me. Yeah. Well, because because you didn't pronounce them the next the next whatever. Uh, David Foster Wallace or whatever they were trying to be? Um, They said that what I said to them was insulting and quite literally the definition of a quid pro quo is because this human being has a copy of my book and said that they were going to review it and now they insist that the only reason I said anything positive about their book is so I would get a good See, that's really fucked up. And here I I can tell you something that – uh, yeah, very related. So, you know, like tomorrow, I'm gonna I'm gonna interview Tyler Dempsey on on my secret podcast that nobody knows about. And I orig- I got in touch with him because I started listening to his, and I was like, I'd like to be on your podcast. And then I sent him a, a book, and he didn't love my book, and he probably won't have me on. And but that's not gonna stop me from wanting to talk to him. You know, that's it's not fun. for everybody. It's fine. Like. Uh, it would have been great if he liked my book. He didn't love it, so that's fine. I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. You know what I mean? It's not. And I'm not. One. And I'm not going to. The fact he didn't like my book doesn't make me dislike his book. I liked his book. You know, I reviewed it for Modeling House. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I liked his book, and I'm inter- I like his podcast. And the fact that he doesn't like mine back has nothing to do. Nothing to do with it. Like, did he it, tell you he doesn't like the book, or? He said he said he wasn't really feeling like he wasn't sure that he wanted to record a conversation. Uh, like he's he's selective. See, that's like good he, and honest, though. He, like yeah, that. he talks he talks to the people he wants to talk to, as do I. That's why like I have months and months with no interviews because I'm not going to just be running around the streets begging people to to be on my show. You know what I mean? See, these <laughs> days I don't need to do that. People just come, and I get to be selective, and it's fun. Yeah. No, that's great. That's a great. That's a great luxury. I haven't, for whatever reason, uh, uh, attained that that goal or that that achievement. Palette. <laughs> but yeah, this person actually also accused me of using Chat GPT for my response because it came off so illiterate, and I just oh. want to be like, "Some bitch, don't send me anything ever again." Oh like, fuck them! Th- wait, this is a friend. Not anymore. Before, yeah, clearly they've been given the pink slip. I hope after that, that's shitty. Like, yeah, if you're, yeah, it's not like they're paying. Like, it's not like you're getting paid for this or anything. And uh, 800, 800 fucking pages is a big ask. 
So they should be happy. Read ten pages. And that I said positive <laughs> things about oh, it, you, where I was like, "Oh, you did." I like. But you didn't love the it. Good stuff and the bad stuff. I like to find. You know, this is what worked. This isn't what uh-huh. worked. And yeah, they felt that I was doing too much, po- too many positive points because I wanted a good review from them. And oh, because I wrote my response quickly, and I'm sure you see it all the time, there were typos and grammatical issues. It's not like I wrote it up like an entire like response for him. I don't do like a beta read sheet. That's not what I do. Well, yeah, if they want feedback and then, then they're going to proofread your fucking feedback, like copy edit it, that's stupid. Yeah, and then that's, when they finally apologize for the chat GBT then he decided to point out, I know there is like the classist aspect in me and, you know, it all comes down to education. I just wish that I could travel now to the East Coast and bitch slap that person. Oh, so they were basically saying it's because you don't have an MFA, you just don't know, you can't appreciate their genius kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm uneducated, <laughs> apparently, and I come from a lower class. I did not know that. <laughs> You're a you're a country bumpkin from flyover country, here here in the Midwest, right? Exactly. Uh, fuck them. Fuck the East Coast. You know, if you're not <laughs> willing to like take any like criticism, just don't send your book to anybody. No, no, but uh, you, what what got us off on this whole jag is yeah, uh, I I could I could tell people like if they really want an honest appraisal, I'm very very capable of it, and I don't, I won't hold back. You know, I've of the the one the one extreme example of the that book review I wrote that lost me a friend, you know. That was a funny one though. Like when I was reading it, it was one of those Dimitri is going to lose a friend. Well, it worked. That's not what I set out to do, but that's what happened. But I could I could do that I could do that every other day. Fortunately, uh, you know, usually if I start not liking a thing, I either walk out of the theater or throw the book across the the room and, and quit. But there I was committed to write it because it was for money and I wanted to finish what I started and it was put out by a major publisher, you know, and and that was a 600 plus page book. God, have you ever noticed that like the books that you dislike the most tend to be like the most indulgent? Uh, yeah, not always. I, I can, I mean, right now I'm reading this book I, it's kind of been on my list for a while. Uh, it's called uh, Life, a User's Manual by Georges Perec hmm. from the 70s. It's just, it's been hovering around like my con- like periphery for a while. And I picked it up and it's so fucking good. It's like the book that's been one of these books that have been just waiting for you, you know, <laughs> like your whole life. And it's, it's a good, it's dense and it's like 600 pages and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm I'm willing to go there if it's if if there's enough substance or like if it holds me. But if someone's yeah, able to pull it off, but a lot of people can't. No. No. So yeah. Uh, but I think yeah, what happens, and it's usually you know it's usually guys. Yeah, they and they get really enamored with whatever with James Joyce or David Foster Wallace or like these big fat ambitious. You know, or uh, I don't know, Don DeLillo, somebody like that, mm-hmm. and they want to write their fucking giant brick of a masterpiece. They think that that's what it means to be like a great writer, well, the and they set out to do it. 
the MFA. But they have nothing to, right, and they have nothing to say, and they're like whatever twenty something year old, old. They're basically, you know, like they're half in diapers still. And they have nothing to talk about. And also just no experience in life because they're so coddled and they're so <laughs> stuck in structure. That's something I liked about this movie, I guess, is that <laughs> there was very little structure to it, and I enjoyed that. No, it was, it was just a, like a floating, like a, it, it was like kind of like a walking party. They were going from place to place. There's a lot of like kind of bar scenes and other like places where people were seeming to sort of even either check out or have a good time and and they're wandering around the streets and it's it's Peter Fonda with his bike getting in the way of people <laughs> you know like it's so funny <laughs> there are just so many moments where like you know you could see yourself doing that like you know like when they're kind of having like coffee at the like diner thing and I was like I've done that a lot yeah like it feels like that's how you would just be like oh my person they just got staked and not dead though totally Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i mean it starts with a like you know her with nadia on a i get like in a like sort of on a date or picking up this guy the first victim you know she has a good time in this movie oh yeah and and she yeah she she picks up men women children every you know and has has her her way with them i mean who knew that you know playing with a spider can entice somebody, but hey, it works. That was a fantastic scene. It's like, I did not know they were pets. <laughs> that was so, like, bizarre. Yeah, there's all these, out these of kind all of... the scenes in this movie that that's the part that I found was bizarre is very intriguing. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, there's a lot of... I, I, I should have t- written down some of these lines that they had, like... Her especially, but the Jared Le- uh, Jer- not Jared Leto, Jared yeah. Harris. No, <laughs> wrong vampire. Sorry, <laughs> I should mention a real life vampire. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Jared Harris. When they get to the you know the cat the ancestral castle and they're going in the basement, and he's like, I remember this from a kid. It seems a lot smaller than when I was a child. I used to play here or something. It was this giant endless basement. So, you know, like, it's like they're going through, like, whatever, the pipes underneath the city or something. <laughs> it's just like, come on. <laughs> I was dying to know where they actually filmed a lot of this. Oh, who, who knows? I, I think I think they hit a lot by making it black and white and kind of like that, that high... Uh, high contrast film the way it was filmed they could really hide the locations a lot mm-hmm. I think they were just filmed in apart- apartments and shit you know yeah, I bet but they... like that uh, you know crazy basement area that that but, did look look like it had to have a very specific like location I mean like it could have been like subway tunnels or like sub basements of big buildings and I bet they never left New York you know <laughs> Yeah, second one seems like the more accurate. I'm looking up where they filmed this movie. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You could, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was whatever thirty years ago that they made this. <laughs> um, they used an abandoned hospital. Okay, to that do makes sense. The Transylvanian Castle. That, that uh, all right. Works. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, she, she there, uh, there are some, t- you know, there. Uh, some nods to modern modernity in like in the way that she 
she decides to trick them and survive is by, you know, transfusing the blood in, into, Susie, into Susie Amos. There's another one, Susie Amos, who's been married to James Cameron for a million years now. She's Mrs. James Cameron, the the one that plays Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all these people, like the, and then Lu- the one that played Lucy is, uh, her r- r- real name is Galaxy Craze. What? Galaxy Craze, who is no longer, I think, an actress, but a, now a writer, has a few things published. Real writer, real name, name Hippie Parents, you know? Look named her that, Galaxy yeah. Craze. Galaxy yeah. Craze. Yeah. Damn. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's going to fascinate me more than the movie now. Well, yeah, it it's it's fun. I mean, the the movie's sort of like it's one of these kind of shaggy dog stories, you know. It's it nobody's taking it very seriously, but they're all serious people having a good just having a good time kind of thing, you know. Yeah, you could tell it definitely was a project that like none of them were really like out there to be like, oh, let's you know hit the ground and hardcore promote or whatever. Because with their names, they definitely could have. If David Lynch wanted to help lend a hand there too, but it's like, it's I mean, it, like it, it was just a fun project for them. It, it you know it played in art theaters. That's where you know where I first saw it, and I would have seen it in Boston when I moved back after graduating art school. Boston. Boston, yeah. Sorry, I just watched a movie that Patrick Dempsey played a cop in Boston, and he did the worst accent <laughs> ever. They usually do. No, it it was very cringy. If you heard it, you would be like, "I need to kill Patrick Dempsey." <laughs> I I I don't need him to stay alive, uh, even to begin with. Oh, I know your opinion about. <laughs> Well, see, Grey's Anatomy, I'd be like, no, I don't need him. But the early 80s films, oh, some of those were good. Uh, yeah, it's because you probably find him attractive. Well, I don't know. I guess I just like the really weird 80s. Well, we've discussed this. I like the best of the 80s shit. You're not into that. <laughs> right, like Stranger Things. <laughs> I don't think that show's ever coming back. <laughs> That's fine. Man, hasn't it been on long enough already? I feel like that's probably what the actors feel too. Like they started off as like twelve-year-olds, and now aren't they all like adults. music? Star- they've all spin off, spinned off, and become like music stars and stuff. Yeah, and the one who plays Eleven, she supposedly wrote a book, but she didn't really write the book, and that's a controversy. Really, they they half the shit. Most most of these celebrity books are ghostwritten. So yeah. that that means she didn't she didn't didn't make a proper contract with the ghostwriter. To, yeah. be, to stay hidden, you know, most of them are better at that. Is one of those things I think where if it's like in a nonfiction topic, people would be like, okay, yeah, but it was like a fiction thing, and people were like, why the fuck is she even doing this? But I don't know why anyone cares. Like, doesn't that's surprise, what do. Doesn't surprise me at all. Like, yeah. yeah I think like Jesse Eisenberg job. did something years yeah. back. Like, yeah. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg has has been write has been writing. I don't know. I don't know if he writes himself or not, but he's definitely published stuff. Yeah, like yeah. you get your examples of like the it person of that moment, and they wrote something randomly. It's like, yeah. Well, Eth- I mean, Ethan Hawke's written several books, uh, for sure. Ooh, I he's haven't like, read any of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's published some books. 
You've like added so many like tabs on my computer now, stuff that I have to check out. It's my job, yeah. But yeah, these you know, like uh, the 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 woman who plays Nadia, she, she was in a lot of uh, Hal Hartley movies, and then she was in Schindler's List. She was in um, Ooh, the Basquiat movie. Yeah, I hate Schindler's List, but uh, you know, whatever Holocaust porn. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she was in other lots of other movies, but mostly indie movies. Uh, what would you call this movie? Because I think it definitely is a few rungs below indie. What do you mean? No, it's 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 right in the middle of indie. I'd say for the nineties. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yep. How common were indie films in the nineties? Well, see, we're we're talking about a time before the internet and other th- other like, you know, all you had was movie theaters, either mainstream movie theaters like chains, and then art movie theaters. And an art movie theater, like this this mo- movie, did fine in those kinds of places. That's all we had. You know, we didn't have a, a million streaming services. You know. <laughs> So no, I I think this is very square in the middle. This is not an underground movie. I mean, there was there's people in like art schools and uh, and scenes with, like just showing stuff for their friends or like in kind of in storefronts, you know, like doing hand coloring or like scratching into film stock and stuff, doing crazy shit. This is not that, you know. It's a lot more mainstream than that. That does but, fascinate yeah. me. And it it's got you know it's got a bunch of actors that have long long resumes you know what I mean yeah but uh, like none of them are like big yet in this film well some of them never the I mean who like are just on the periphery well big 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 for for indie movies uh, the the guy Martin Donovan who who plays uh, Lucy's husband he was also in a lot of these Hal Hartley movies and. He did some TV and stuff. He's still around. Uh, they're all around. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's this parallel universe to the mainstream universe, uh, where they're working actors. Uh, I think I need to uh, redefine in my mind what indie movie actually is, because I keep yeah. getting stuck in like those Fox Searchlight films. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Fox Searchlight is like is basically just plain old mainstream. It's mainstream where they don't expect them to make billions of dollars. You know what I mean? But it's just just one rung below Jurassic Park or whatever. <laughs> You're like, this is a little too quirky for mainstream audiences. We're going to call it indie. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not... It's the same as, like, what happened What happened in music, uh, you know, post-Nirvana. Post, uh, uh Suddenly, every every little band was signed to a major label contract, and uh, the whole that whole underground was exploded. Uh, so then another another underground had to be created. <laughs> um, so like the underground to the underground. Yeah, and, and there's always going to be stuff that's just never going to connect to a mass audience, and yeah, I mean something, but there was. Yeah, when this movie came out, there's way fewer levels for for movie for for distribution and stuff. I was also just realizing how hard it had to be to like maybe theoretically make an indie movie 
back yeah. then. Well, that's why, I mean, yeah, they didn't have like iPhones where you can just shoot your own movie with like no budget. That's probably why they needed to involve somebody like David Lynch, who had access to, to money and connections and probably helped get it, get it put in theaters and stuff. Loved his little cameo, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, as a morgue attendant. When she she comes for the the body of Dracula, <laughs> we and are here for the body. Mind control there. Yeah. <laughs> like there wasn't a moment in that movie where I wasn't like, yeah, this is something that David Lynch would like. Like I I understand his involvement. Yeah, yeah. This is it, it's squarely in the, it's in the David Lynch universe of like you know of Eraserhead and stuff. Yeah, that is Eraserhead just kept jumping into my mind, and I well because was black and white or 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 uh, elephant some of the weirder man shots, you know. yeah, yeah. I yeah, was that, thinking it, where I was just like, I think we're gonna have to do a David Lynch film eventually. We will. I, I've thought about that before, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, we we always stretch the definition of horror movie, but has David Lynch ever made it like a true horror movie? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Like where I was questioning. Um, whether the my friend is Dahmer, my friend yeah. Dahmer, if that's my friend is Dahmer, <laughs> that's owning it right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't sure if that technically counted as horror, and I was just like, you know, maybe Eraserhead or Elephant Man, maybe like like grotesque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about it some more. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you. From the other end, you can argue that all his movies are horror movies, kind of, but <laughs> you know, in a I'm way. I'm not sure where we put Inland Empire, really. Well, Inland Empire is just its own thing. Inland Empire is the greatest thing he ever made, but uh, to my mind, like it, it sums up everything. <laughs> he should have retired after that. I mean, <laughs> but, he basically did until he did the return, and then well, yeah, he's he, gone he back should, into his hidey hole. He, he shouldn't have returned. I think I I know there's there's some apologists for that show, but like I I do not like it. Speaking of like underground and uh, mainstream, like I think uh, Twin Peaks to Return is like his kind of like this is kowtowing to the mainstream. This is it's a mainstream version of Inland Empire. You know? Yeah, I mean it was one of those things where at the end of. Season two of Twin Peaks, he gave that, like, it's going to be back in 25 years. Right. So I think he probably felt that, like, obligation. And, yeah, I mean, come on. When you're at that age and everyone already loves you, it's one of those, why not? I'm going to fuck with it. I don't know. I, 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 I like, I, I respect people that stick to their guns. There's a, uh, or, and just when they, like, they quit, they quit. Like, See, I think he's quit now. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Uh, these people, they, they have a hard time walking away. I, I still will not believe like that Tarantino's quitting after the next movie until it happens. Well, he'll find workarounds. He'll start doing miniseries or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah, so Twin Peaks to Return is a workaround because it's not technically a movie, but, like, whatever. Uh, these things that are on TV now are not TV shows. They just aren't, you know what I mean? See, my They're, issue, though, with Inland Empire is that it is an impossible-to-find movie. <laughs> uh, Criterion has it, I think, or did. 
See, I want to show they, some of my mainstream friends. Oh, they will, but they'll hate it. It's it's not it it's really pretty unforgiving and abrasive. You know, it's not for it's not for your mainstream friends. Why would why would you want to torment them that way? It's like it's like your your pretentious buddy saying sending you an eight hundred page manuscript to mm. to to comment on. You know. Well, it's because they are getting into a David Lynch like wormhole right now. Really? And I was gonna be like, "Ooh, I want to introduce this movie what, to you." What? What? What was their gateway? Like, like Twin Peaks or or yes. Blue Velvet or something? Or it was Twin Peaks. Yeah, the original or the the return. The original, and then they worked oh. their way all the way through the return. Oh. I was like, but Twin Peaks, like the original, that's like the most mainstream thing he ever did. You know. Yeah, well, they did jump into Mulholland and Drive after that, and I was like, maybe if they could handle Mulholland Drive. See, I, yeah, I think Mulholland Drive is garbage, but there literally is a guy that like leaps out of the garbage in that movie, isn't there? <laughs> Probably, yeah. See, that that was supposed to be a TV show, but it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a spinoff. Yeah, yeah, and that's a lot of people's favorites. I I hate it. I hate Mulholland Drive. I've seen it a couple of times. I think it's just a mess. Not one of my favorites, but it did have the one scene that reminded me <laughs> of the lesbian vampire scene in this, where it's just one of those, whoa, wait, this has got a weird lesbian thing going on suddenly. I don't know, though. Like uh, this, this movie had a, the lesbian scenes is a lot more believable than the one. The one in Mulholland Drive is like that. It's that porn guy's fantasy of what lesbians are like. True. You know? Like, whatever. Guy fantasy of sexy lesbians. But this was just, yeah. I mean, she was, Nadja was definitely like just on the prowl for anything, literally anything with a pulse. Basically. <laughs> That was and, definitely and, one of the more captivated moments where I was just like, this is so weird, but I can't stop watching. Oh, it's great. I, I, I totally... The whole movie, really. Yeah, it's it's sort of like like an environment. It's just a vibe. Yeah, yeah. there's not, there's not much narrative tension or any... There's not really a strong narrative in this movie. Like, because it also... This is a movie that heavily depends on you knowing Dracula... Because it just follows Dracula. It's it's Dracula again I mean, you have to know with a couple like, of you, you have to know the Dracula story. All yeah, of it, yeah. If and if you know all that, you're gonna have a good time. You know. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> with, it might just be very confusing. Yeah, like wh why are these people like sort of like low key like muttering about things and? Because <laughs> it really is like a family affair kind of situation. Sure. And you need yeah. to know who they're actually related to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're they're all, it turns out they're all like long lots. It sort of becomes incestuous. It really does. Well, like, like yeah, Peter Fonda telling uh, Martin Martin I forget Martin Don I forget what his character if he's Jonathan in this or not. But the 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 husband like oh your father's not really your father like basically like and then this is your sister so so what he's saying is that he's his father you know. <laughs> He won't say it, but that's it's heavily implied, right? Basically. So they're they the, yeah they're all like they're they're all kind of if not literally then metaphorically in bed together one way or another. All these people. Uh, 
I, I yeah, I love the like a lot of the unexplained stuff. Like why, why does the twin brother like turn on her? You know, like really, like, and can they really trust him, or or is he just covertly working for her? You know what I mean? Making sure that she gets away with what she gets away with at the end. I like the comment about Brooklyn. Yeah, I've never been to like I've I've been there once or something. Have you ever in, been to Brooklyn? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's yeah, you could if you rewatch this movie you could like you could come up with a like a dozen or more of these lines. They're just throwaway lines, but they're so funny. I, I laughed out loud a few times. I was like, what did they just say? I know. It was just like, is he from Carpathia too? Oh, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And that's a thing. Also, that's that's a, a that's a real thing. Like comment on on the uh, like New York in the '90s. Like there was no scene in Brooklyn at that time. Not that anybody knew about. People mm. didn't go. To, people wouldn't cross over that bridge. That scene there, didn't get started until like the aughts, right? Well, late late '90s. Okay. Yeah, yeah Brooklyn, like Williamsburg, and all that shit. I mean, I remember in 1997. I was dating this woman briefly, like long distance dating. We'd gone to art school together, but she was now living in, in Williamsburg. And I went to visit her in 1997 and it looked just like Wicker Park. Mm. You know what I mean? It was just developing. It was the same kind of people, like the same kind of hip coffee shops, this, that, the other. It was coming together. I was like, I know what this is going to be in a year or two I, because I I was living in Wicker Park, you know? See, I feel like I really missed out now because the first time I went to Brooklyn was like 2012. Oh, yeah, yeah. You you missed it by like 15 years or something. Like it was yeah. already a caricature of its Oh, yeah. It was time. well... Oh, yeah, yeah. 2012 was... Yeah, it was past... It was... Uh, it was Yuppieville by then. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's, you know, these things have a life cycle. But, yeah, in 1993, 4, whatever... That that joke about Brooklyn like being unknown is kind of not a joke, you know. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn is where v various ethnicities lived. You know, Williamsburg was like primarily like a Hasidic neighborhood, uh, and, and various ethnicities. Like, it wasn't a place where like aspiring whatever artists or cool kids lived. <laughs> not unless they were really really cool kids and didn't care about making it, you know. Vampires live there too now. Yeah, but I—I I mean, also contra contrastingly, though, uh, my one you know half year of living in New York was in 1989, and I felt like New York was over then. Really? Yeah, I got to New York in '89, and I was like, well, all the cool shit is gone, and it was like you know there was kind of like a brief rebirth, but like like with that whole like in music with that like the strokes and all those bands in the 90s i guess but like to me that was just a, that was like an imitation you know that was a bunch of people like copying the velvet underground and and punk rock but like secondhand um yeah all all the stuff that i loved about new york you know happened in the in the 70s and early 80s yeah i would love to go back in time to see what actual New York was like because obviously 
first mm. time I went to Brooklyn was the first time we've been to New York, and I was just like, this shit. In 2012, so, you said, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, totally uh, commercialized, and I was just like, this feels like Disneyland for rich people. And it's o- only more so with now, you know, it's, yeah, just a playground for billionaires. I like, I like visiting there, like, like, but I can, I can spend a day, like, walk around, have a nice meal, go to a museum, and then I'm done, you know? Yeah, I think that's basically what I could do, too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be like like a, va- a vampire to really make a go of it, like the people in this movie. <laughs> I mean, we could say right now, then, clearly, the vampires were the original gentrifiers of Brooklyn. Yes, I think so. I think I think blame it blame it on the bloodsuckers. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime anyone complains, we'll just direct them to this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you think about yeah, like what. So, like, Susie Amos is trying to, like, you know, when, when Nigel Watt comes in and sees Susie Amos and she's a nurse and she's her husband, who is Nigel's brother, is, like, deathly ill and stuff. Like, is she trying to turn him into, like, a human? Is that what's happening? I was pretty confused as hell. <laughs> That part is super muddled, but like it's it's kind of fun to think about. Like what, and it turns out you know Susie Amos is is totally victimized, and then she's got to, you know, she has to carry on the the, the family vampire legacy through her blood because Nadia's blood is coursing through her later. <laughs> That's why she lets herself be killed in the end, you know. Yeah. She, she she lets lets Peter Fonda drive a stake through her heart, and she doesn't care because she's already got a plan. She's got an escape hatch. Isn't that like her last like line where she's like, no one suspected that I was now alive in Cassandra's body? Exactly. Yeah, she's and smart. And like Edgar and I were married at City Hall. <laughs> Incestuous. Mm. I know. It's And it's not like the whole thing. Like everybody's just like sleeping with each other in this movie. <laughs> I guess maybe once you become the undead, a lot of the taboos just go away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she when she seduces uh, Lucy, she keep you know like, and Lucy like one of the times that Lucy's sort of like, awake and figure seeing what's happening to her and like Nadia's saying, look, it's not so bad, like you know this is this is what has to happen, it's not so bad, you know being a vampire. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry this this had to happen to you, but like you know, it's kind of your fault because you picked up on me and asked for a cigarette at the bar. Whose fault is it? She hit on her first, right? Oh, you definitely got that vibe right away. Yeah. yeah. And the other, I mean, the casting's great because the the women in this movie are so androgynous, you know? They're sort of like half-dressed as boys, especially Galaxy Craze as Lucy. Oh, definitely, for sure. And, and Nadia, too. Got some sexy kind of, vibes off her. Just yeah, sexy but like omnivorous, you know, but like probably probably more into ladies than than men. Yeah, I, I definitely gave like heavy femme bi vibes, I guess. Yeah. Well then then like towards the end where she when she's bald and she goes full on full Nosferatu, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There was the one, the one seat, the the one still, still uh, shot of Bella Lugosi early on too. 
I was also going to say, wasn't the spider named Bella? Yeah. The, yeah, they definitely sprinkled in a lot of fan fiction there. Yeah, well, this is Dracula's kids. <laughs> Dracula, Dracula's beloved twins. <laughs> I just love the whole idea of it. That That's probably my favorite part of the movie, is the idea of the story. Like, It's awesome. Like the fact that, that someone just thought of what would happen with Dracula's kids and Van Helsing's kids. Like, let's see the all next generation. Up, they all end up in the Lower East Side becoming uh, club creatures. <laughs> you know? Picking up on each other. and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, you, these are just like the people hanging out in the bar or whatever, talking about their bands or and doing drugs, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the fact the fact that they're vampires is just kind of like whatever. They really it's a could little, have been anybody, so yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like that that movie Habit that I made you watch early on. Like, okay, so happy you brought that up. I got that vibe too. Yeah, similar scene. Well, and you're asking before about like underground and main indie or whatever. Like Habit is underground, I would say. You know, Habit was made for much less money than this. Probably. Uh, although, although that guy eventually would end up being in like involved with like Scorsese and stuff, he pops up in Scorsese movies sometimes. He was in Killers of the Flower Moon in the radio play at the end. Oh, I didn't catch that. You know that radio play where Jack White was Jack White and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. At the very end, he's one of the he's one of the radio actors. Um, what's his face? Larry Fessenden. The guy that made Habit. Yeah. Is Habit, I, I keep trying to figure out, was that made around the same time as this movie? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a year or two later. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, you know, I just kept but, thinking like with the whole like artsy New Yorker and everything, bohemian vibe. Yeah, kind of like loft, like loft parties and like Lower East Side and stuff. Yeah, it's got so, some of that same thing. Although that, I mean, that habit was more, more intentionally kind of blurring the line and making it about addiction, you know, and alcoholism and stuff. Whereas this one was willing to actually very clearly define, like, no, this is what is happening. Yeah, even though, like, even though we never see fangs in this movie, you know, or anything, like, they're they're definitely, you know, self-described and identify as vampires. You also <laughs> get moments where you're like. It insinuates where it's like, hmm, maybe there was some feeding there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean also and also like Vampire's Kiss, another one, you know, like in New York, like a diff different segment of society, but like crazy running around New York doing drugs, you know, about maybe being vampires. <laughs> there seems so, like there was an obsession with like vampires in New York. Sure. Well, you know, it was that run up like the yuppie ex and real estate explosion, you know, in the in the nineties, when it, when it was stop, you know, the end, the beginning of the end <laughs> for for cool New York. <laughs> but the the you know the people in in Naja would you can't imagine them ever adapting to whatever the, the billionaire's playground that it became. I mean, that's what 
you know, like how you're saying only lovers left alive, it'd probably be a similar vibe where they'd be like, I need to go somewhere else. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they would have to go to Transylvania. <laughs> the Carpathians. Yeah. Where the Black Sea is not actually black. <laughs> yes. It is a beautiful blue, <laughs> whatever she said. <laughs> That's what I'm It was just one of those, like, I'm not sure if I'd watch it again, but it was just so worth it. Well, yeah, make, make your, uh, your, your mainstream David Lynch fan friend friends watch this <laughs> he's in it, yeah, it <laughs> they might help. like it they might like it better than Inland Empire I don't know Inland Empire think, though is so fun to get people's reaction from most people hate Inland Empire <laughs> see I don't think I've ever actually met anyone who hates it but really? I've seen people who are just like I don't get it yeah yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah. Inland Empire uh, demands a lot more attention than like a movie like this. Yeah, like where you can kind of like tune in and tune out with this. Like, my cat was like all up on me and taking some attention, but it's like I still caught it. I was paying good attention to it. And yeah, this like I missed anything. This is like yeah, you're hanging out with a few friends in the loft, and then you can. You can listen to them talking, and then you can stare out the window, and then you can go back to their conversation and not miss too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to undersell it. It's like it, it takes skill to make that that vibe throughout. Like it's not, it's not like they just turned on a camera. Oh, there is intense it, camera work happening, definitely. Yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a very, very intentional kind of, like, carelessness <laughs> In the about beginning, this movie. with the camera work, I hate it, we just watched the movie, but it had a very similar vibe as the Rock Hudson movie. Oh, oh, the seconds? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But no, the <laughs> intro with the whole, like, yeah, with the camera work, it reminded me of that. I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah, with the the nightmare, like after after the after the bar scene, af- mm-hmm. when when she's feeding on him, the, indeed, the, the the kind of the her her jerk jerk of a date, who like to hear himself talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, That's it's one way, of, it's one way of dispatching a bad date. Wouldn't you love if you had that option? Yeah, but then you like kind of are having like the essence of them. In yourself, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, how much do you keep? I mean, you know, they have they have different modes that they can do. Like what she does, you know, in the end with the transfusion, she you know she puts all of herself in somebody else's blood, or she can just feed on them, or she can turn them into vampires. These these uh, rules they play are fast and loose with those yeah. rules. Well, because because the rules are make believe because you can. <laughs> you know what I mean? Usually, like, within one movie, they stick to one set of rules. But in this one, they're just like, yeah, everyone's just winging it. Like, here's some vampire lore. We're going to see what we can do. There's fun. Yeah, there's good stuff. I like that, you know, like, Lucy hates uh, Peter, the Van Helsing guy. Like, she makes fun of him. It's like, oh, yeah, they're off just getting drunk like they always do. Uncle Uncle Van Helsing, you know? Yeah, he's not home. He's with his crazy uncle. 
Yep. <laughs> so, but this is an excuse for me to like show you my tarantula and make out with you. <laughs> you know? Have things go pretty far. Mm-hmm. I mean, she intended it. She, you invite her up. Like, what were you going for? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really all her own doing. Uh, what happened? As as it, I'm, which, which keeps it kind of true to Dracula, you know. Yeah. When, you know, Lucy is seduced by Dracula, like she's she's fine. She's she likes it. I mean, John Jonathan's kind of a pill, and you know, instead of hanging out with her, he goes on, and he wants to go make money. Mm-hmm. In in the original, you know. So he 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 gets what he deserves. <laughs> So, I must ask, if you were in the Van Helsing family or the Dracula family, which one would you choose? <laughs> I mean, this is the main point of the movie right here. Oh, really? Two families Wh- really which incestuous, which incestuous clan I would have to choose? Exactly. I'm going with Dracula's. That's where I'd go. I think they, yeah, they they have more fun, uh, and. The thing about the thing about these Van Helsing is is they don't they're subsidiary they don't exist without the Dracula you know what I mean they're kind of they need Draculas to have any kind of purpose and they all seem like they really hate themselves yeah yeah I mean yeah like the Cassandra she's sort of like this long suffering wife she's taking care of her dying husband uh, I don't know. Uh, and, yeah, they're they're in. Yeah, when uh, the Peter Fonda sees her and like he hasn't seen her in years, like what the hell are you doing here? They don't seem to like each other very much. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the the Dracula family seems more fun, even though they're kind of devious and they they kind of sub- fuck with each other. Like the yeah, the the brother sister relationship is very compli- very complicated in this. Like what what their actual motives and what they're ending up with, but of course in the end you know he ends up helping her one way or the other. That's what family does. Yeah, and it's definitely the ultimate. The family that lays together stays together, right? <laughs> <laughs> in this one. <laughs> and you just named this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the family that lays together. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is like a wholesome. After all that, what we we're discussing or belonging, it's a wholesome family movie. It's it's about it's about the say, sanctity of marriage, right? It ends with a ends with a wedding, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it is all about <laughs> the highs tradition and, and, and yeah, <laughs> keeping the, the family together. Keep keeping the family together. Yeah, being faithful. Yep. <laughs> I was intrigued that they included the Renfield character. Um, yeah, but like, assume that that would actually be necessary to this movie. But I was like, hmm, no, it was good. I like that. No, uh, no, the, yeah, they, he, you know, he was a henchman, but like, he was like a hot guy instead of like an ogre, like he usually is. You know, it's one of those things. Like originally, when I was seeing it, where I was just like, okay, we're just gonna focus on these two families, and we're not gonna have like their offshoots because we already have so many. And then I was like, oh, Renfield, come back here for the win. Yeah, Renfield comes. No, I mean he does a he does a big turn because because he uh, 
distracts Cassandra, you know, while while uh, Nadia's doing the other the stuff with Lucy, right? And it kind of seduces her for a bit to to make get her ready for Nadia, right? It's a guy who knows his job. Yeah. Well, he's 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 like the slave, slave boy. Yeah. Did you see that Renfield movie, by the way? That no. Nicholas Cage. Was that any good? Um, no, not your kind of movie. I think. I didn't think it would. I it I, yeah, I was tempted, but like, yeah, they it just they all ham it up too much, probably, right? It, it's like definitely a silly movie. Yeah. Did you that that I really liked that one. Uh, Nicolas Cage movie where where he what's it called when he appears in people's dreams oh yeah I know what you're talking about I saw that that was an interesting one I love that movie (laughs) basically about getting cancelled you know yeah that part like just threw me because I had no idea what I was walking into Mm. when I watched that movie that's back when I had like that AMC pass Mm -hmm. I'm just going to see everything in theaters because I'm bored and I was slightly intrigued by that movie. One, totally worth it. Two, did not expect the canceled section. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that director, he's I think he's Dutch or he's European for sure. His previous movie, uh, I think it was called Sick of Myself. And it's 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 kind of similar stuff. It's about celebrity. It's about these people that get addicted to plastic surgery and getting sick and stuff. Uh, and it's a, it's just about celebrity culture. So he's always got social commentary going. That guy. But yeah, I, I enjoyed say that. This is the best Nicolas Cage movie that came out in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job in that. But like, I mean, we talked about Nicolas Cage before. I he's just, I think t- directors and projects fail him. He doesn't always make the best choices, but he never ever phones it in. Like he's. He gives 100,000% all the time. Nicolas Cage? Definitely. Like, I the mean, movies fail him sometimes, but he doesn't fail, like... Especially in it's a not of, for like, lack of trying. nightmare kind of dreams where it's like, oh, he going for it. Like, yeah. I love that about him in every scene. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, and he's lo- being asked to, like, reenact the one kinky dream. Yeah. And he's, like, awkwardly just be like, right here, this room yeah. to be... <laughs> And one one of the best fake like receding hairlines ever. Like his his wi- head wig was so funny. It's just like the face make. It's just intentionally kind of like not great, but it works, you know, to make him more schlubby. It's so funny. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that movie. <laughs> I just hate that I don't remember what it was called. Oh Jesus! See, that's what but, sucks. Is we both well, like the movie that was so good, but what is it called? Well, one second. Who will get there faster? You probably, your Dream scenario. Thank you. Thank you. That's it's a relief to, to get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the Renfield, I, like, I think, I think I got what it was from the trailer. I figured I didn't really need, like, two hours of it. Yeah. To get to get what it was going to be. It basically yeah, basically was exactly what the trailer gave you there. Yeah. 
But this, yeah, this uh, Nadja movie, yeah, it's it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty good snapshot of this kind of like vanished New York, you know. It's a, it's a New York that definitely does not exist anymore. Yeah, I, that's why I was saying before, it reminded me of some of the earlier films that you had suggested that we watch. Whereas like, I think Dimitri has a vibe. Like, I, I get where you're well, going with a lot yeah, of Well, yeah, I mean, what do you want? Like, this, this is a movie that came out when I was like, whatever, 24, right? Uh, yeah, so this is like for me is like young, young person Dimitri. You know, Formative these are the movies. That, these are the movies that stay with you. You know, throughout your life, mm-hmm. that make an impression. Yeah, oh, I think it was but a really cool pick. I like when you like introduce me to a film I've never heard of, and I'm like, ah, oh, I need to watch it again, or I need to share this with other people. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, uh, admittedly, yeah, this is not like, it's not a masterpiece, and it's not super high stakes. But it's a fun, th- it's a fun place to spend an hour and a half, you know, fun people to h- hang out with, kind of thing, you know, <laughs> on a theme that we like. It's you know, it's Dracula, so like, what's not to like? It's Dracula, you know. We <laughs> uh, really with... have picked a lot of vampire movies. Well, it's yeah, it's a, it's an evergreen. We we can, we can, we can spend the next five years just doing vampire movies, you know. We, we wouldn't. There's so many. I think there's more vampire movies than there's anything. I mean, it's all like vampires not behaving like vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, and yeah, I definitely want to do the the um, George Romero one about the the teenage vampire. That's a fun one at some point down the line. Yeah, that would be cool. I, w- but, I had but, some Romero films that I was thinking. I was like, mm, will you want to do another one? But go for it. Go off. Yeah, but but we're we're switching up for the next one. We're we're going back to serial killers, or serial killer origin story, right? I'll be like totally honest. I was in Milwaukee when I messaged you. Oh really? Oh, so you were you were in the home place of Dahmer? So you figured, what were you doing in Milwaukee? Um, there's a diner that Blunt and I like, and I don't, they just have like really good pie. And yes, we are willing oh. to drive an hour to get really good pie because that's what we do. That's fine. You, you were go, you were going. Was this a side trip from the 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 stat with whatever the cabin where you were writing your book or no? Oh no, no. it was when I actually was, was texting you. So it was it was late. This is later then. Yeah. Yeah, and like I was trying to figure out what my next movie would be, and I had some thoughts, and I was like, I wonder if like you'll consider this a horror movie, and that's why I messaged you about it. I don't. I mean, I, I, I'm usually unless it's a movie I actively dislike. You know, there's a few times I've said no, but like, I, I'm not at all strict with with the genres. You know, you're you're more concerned with genres than I am. I. You can suggest a comedy and say it's a vamp. It's it's a horror movie, and I'd probably be up for it. You know, we've done some comedy t- already, but. Yeah, we've done comedies that like have revolved around like your stereotypical like horror stories. So, yeah, yeah, what we do in the shadows, parents. You know, there's been a few other ones. Whereas this one, I'm not sure, but I mean, it is about something that becomes horror. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's ba- based on a, a real. Th- it was based on a graphic uh, on a comic about this guy that grew up with Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, I, I like the one actor in it because he goes on to do Hereditary, and he's a really good actor. I think his name is Alex Wolf. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah I, it's been. I, I I only saw. I saw it the once. I saw it in the theater when it came out. When did that movie come out, Dahmer? You know, I don't actually know, but I know it's like, on Hulu, and that's how yeah. I discovered it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it came out what in the last ten years or something. Twenty seventeen. Okay, yeah, less than ten years. Yeah, yeah, I sat in the theater. It was it was a pleasant surprise. I didn't know what to expect. It's a, it's a very low key movie, in a, in a way, you know. Yeah, that's why I would say I liked most about it is that it was very understated. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a coming it's a coming of age tale, <laughs> in in its own way. <laughs> like I know but, that like you didn't watch the miniseries, but I mean no. basically this is just like episode three of the miniseries. Oh, yeah. mm. But better because it actually goes into who he actually was, and I I dig that like a cool perspective of like the friend as opposed to this is what Dahmer was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that makes it eerier, not knowing that that's about to be a serial killer, but you get weird vibes from him. Sure. Yeah. So, well, we did. I mean, there was that that movie. Uh, was it? We need to talk about Kevin. That's a little bit. That one a little is bit a similar lot more like. It's heavier, but like <laughs> more dramatic. <laughs> it was very clear that something was wrong. There was always something wrong with Kevin. <laughs> yes. Like a conversation had to have been had like a long time prior. But yeah, my friend Dahmer. You just get vibes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it uh, next time. But yeah, I, I think it, it sort of, it implies that maybe like if he had been socialized better, if he had a few more friends, maybe some things would have turned out different. Exactly. You and I, I, mean? I know I'll definitely have a lot more to say about it when we talk about it. Yeah, I'll have more to say about it because, yeah, this is all from like distant memory I'll, uh, once once we watch it. Okay, well, I guess since we're already starting to talk about the next movie, we should wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, probably. Before we give away, we, we don't want to give away all this, all this gold, all these incredible insights we're about to have about serial killers. 